Welcome to CCO Podcast, calling college students to serve Jesus Christ with their entire lives. Uh, so, hey, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to be here and uh, thankful to be able to, to do this. I've, I mean, as, as Mitch said, I've, I've been working in engineering um, for over 25 years in, in, different, uh, in different capacities, um, but I've been a Christ follower uh, my whole life. I grew up in a, in a, in a Christian home. Um, and when I was in college, uh, you know, there was, uh, I, I got involved in a Christian ministry there, uh, in a varsity at the time. And it was really, really transformational in my walk with Christ. It just, it just changed everything very much like CCO does. And, um, so, so the time you all are spending, uh, you know, in your college time investing in this kind of stuff is, is just tremendous. So, um, so I'm glad to be here. The, you know, the Lord has shown me a lot of, a lot of things over the years, um, and I've just become more and more interested about faith in the workplace, about seeing how those dynamics play out. And so it was really to be able to actually come and, and, and talk about it uh, is pretty cool, um, especially with this aspect of, of, of this engineering spin. So you don't have to be an engineer to, to cover, uh, to follow along, although uh, there may be some references that maybe only the engineers will get. But Anyway, so I'm, so I'm really, like I said, really glad to be here. I've just got some information, probably 30, 35 minutes uh, if I stay on time. And then, and then I want to have a dialogue uh, at, at the end. You can type questions into the chat window as we go. Um, if I happen to see them, I may pause or we'll just collect them at the end. Um, so really looking forward to maybe some, some questions and, and answers at the end about anything that's, that's on your mind. Uh, just a little bit about me, just so you'll know, places I, I studied, I did my undergraduate at North Carolina State. Um, so go back. I met my wife there. I was there for four years, got an undergraduate degree in aerospace engineering. And then I went to Penn State and was there for um, six years working on a, on a doctorate uh, in aerospace and acoustics. So th- that's where I studied. But then I've got three boys. Uh, two of them went to Clemson. So go Tigers. Uh, it was kind of a funny dynamic because when I was at NC State, and of course, coming out of that, there was not a, there was not a team that I rooted against more than Clemson except North Carolina. And then we moved here, had two boys, sent a lot of money there. And now I'm a huge Clemson fan. Uh, another, another son went to, uh, to um, South Carolina. So he's a Gamecock fan. So anyway, it's, it's been a lot of fun. So that's, that's what I've kind of where I've studied. To not, and I don't know how many, I, don't, I would love to know where some of you all are from. Maybe type into the chat window the schools you're from. I'd love to see that. Maybe scroll up because I know there's hundreds of you, but I don't know what schools you're from. So let me know in the chat window uh, where you're from. Just some of the things that I've done uh, in, in, in my career, sort of to, to give you a little bit of background where I'm from. But what I've done is I, at, at, a, at a graduate school, I, I joined um, uh, an uh, engine manufacturing company. You can see some pictures there on the left. I spent five years there. Uh, we, we made uh, military engines um, and commercial engines. I worked on these. Here's some pictures here that one on the top left. Is a, is a, it's a military engine running in full afterburner. Uh, so it would be, this would be like an engine you might find on, on one of our advanced uh, military fighters. Um, the lower lower left is a commercial engine. You would have seen a lot of those um, around. So I worked on aircraft engines, and then I got I got uh, recruited by by NASA to go work for them in their air acoustics branch. They had I made that connection with them during graduate school, and so that was great. Once we were at NASA for six years, I was working in the air acoustics branch on aircraft noise, engine noise. We had thought that we'd probably retire from there, but the Lord had different plans, and, and he actually brought me back to uh, the same company that I had worked at, only this time in the wind turbine 
um, group. You can see the logos there just because of company branding. It was just far easier just to leave their name out of the presentation <laughs> than to get uh, than to go through the, the the clearances to get it. But uh, so for the last fifteen years, I've been working on wind turbines. Um, so it's 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 been a it's it's been an exciting thing. Get, you know, gotten to see a lot of really cool things and gotten to do a lot of things. So that's a little bit about me, and it's a little about where I'm from and what I've done. I guess as we start, I uh, just want to maybe have you pause and think a little bit about what's your plan, and and, and what's your plan for the future. What are you thinking about? Uh, you know, you're in college, you're taking courses, you've got a major. Um. And you know what you're planning. I, I I can't say that I necessarily had a plan. You know, from the you know from terms of what jobs I was going to take, what companies I was going to do. I mean, at, at each of these places, I've held several different jobs within the places. You know, different roles. Um, you know, and and the Lord has really led me on a, on a journey through that. Um, but you know, one of the things to think about in school, and a question that you're often asked about, is: Look, are you going to go in a secular job? Or are you going to go into some kind of Christian ministry? I know that if you, you know, if you're a Christ follower and you're looking at what someone might call a secular job, you might be drawn to a Christian ministry like CCO or um, a missions organization or something like that. Um, and so it's a question, you know, to really think about it. But, but I guess what I want to pause as you're answering that in your own head is just to, to realize, look, this really is kind of a trick question. This, cause this whole framework of secular job, Christian ministry um, is just a construct you don't see in the scriptures. Because the bigger question that you really want to ask is what part of your life does Christ not desire to lead? Right? I mean, we, we talk about Christian, we're talking about secular jobs as if somehow that's an area of life uh, that is that is different than the Christian part of our life. But for the follower of Christ, there is no differentiation between secular and Christian, right? You know, that's just I'm not, that's not a model that comes out of scripture. The disciples are with Christ, and uh, he doesn't say, hey, now let's have our teaching time. Now let's have our ministry time. Um, we'll see you guys back here tomorrow after you go take care of your jobs. It's, 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 it's all one thing. And so this whole framework of, um, of, of there is no differentiation was something that I hadn't really thought about until well into my career. And I would love for you all to be thinking about it now, because as you go, whatever job you go into um, is Christian ministry. I mean, that's, that's where the Lord is going to put you. Um, now, you know, there's, there's, there's vocations that have a lot to do, you know, that are focused around Christian ministry, you know, and that's what the vocation is. That's what the assignment is. But if you're an engineer, if you're a doctor, lawyer, whatever, uh, it's still a Christian uh, assignment. It's still a Christian ministry. Um, as I think about, um, I've got a lot of scriptures here as we go through. Um, and, you know, and that's actually what I love about this Jubilee Conference, this every square inch kind of framework thing. Um, is 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 really uh, great because like what is what is Christ not a part of? But this whole this whole how God transforms us going from one degree of glory to another. Right? What this what this tells me from the scriptures is that when I become a Christ follower, I don't I mean I don't become like Him all of a sudden. There, there there's there's a maturation process that happens, and it happens one step at a time. And if you think about this, Jesus is our life. Okay, He's not just a part. Of your life, he's not an attachment to your life. He he is your life, and and so he is interested in every part of your life, and and so what what we're talking about here is really something called sanctification. It's kind of a really fancy Christianese word that gets used a lot, but what it just really means is spiritual maturity. It's just growing in spiritual maturity. And the thing about this that I found really interesting is is in our sanctification and becoming more and more like Christ. 
I mean, we are led by the spirit. God has a plan for us. God is leading that. But, but we actually have a role to play in how that maturity happens ourselves because God is wanting us to partner with him. God is wanting us to take the lessons that he's learned and apply them, not just keep them up in our heads. And it's, it's like, you know, you take your classes and it's all theory and you never apply it. It just doesn't make sense. And that, that's a lot with this, you know, that's, that's what this is about. And if you think about it, you're going to spend eight to 12 hours, you know, more or less, you know, in, in, in your workplace. And so a day, you know, 24 hours in a day, that's a, if, if your workplace is not connected with your relationship with the Lord, if you are not looking for the Lord in those times, if you're not recognizing that as a place that the Lord is maturing you, he's sanctifying you, um, then, then you're missing out on a huge chunk of time of your life that the Lord wants to work in, but maybe you haven't made that connection. And so, you know, your spiritual maturity, your spiritual growth uh, will grow a lot slower and, and there'll be lessons that you just won't get um, unless you make that connection. So that's what I want to talk a little bit about here as, as, I, as I think about through this um, and I think about the workplace and, and I just want to, I'm just going to go through some things here. Um, here's just some principles of ways that you can live your faith in the workplace, some practical ways. And it is a challenge because look at in our culture today, Christianity is turning just pretty much into a meme, right? I, I mean, that, that's a lot what people view of Christianity. You, we used to live in a world where people, you know, at least fundamentally believed you know, something about God, believed Christ, you know, they weren't hostile to it. Um, but now that, that all has changed. And so it is really important to think about how are you going to live out your faith in, in the workplace? And, and really these apply everywhere. You know, one of the things that's kind of fun, my, 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 one of my sons is an electrical engineer. Um, so he's an engineering, he calls it spiritual physics. I, I, I love that, right? You, and you've taken your physics, you know, that physics form the fundamental um, basis of kind of everything that happens, everything that gets built. Scripture has some fundamental spiritual physics in it. And if we understand how to turn the scriptures into applications, um, we can build a whole lot of, whole lot of things. Um, and, you know, I think about, you know, and, and really it's like the laws of thermodynamics, right? Or Newton's laws. A lot of things get boiled down just to those. I and mean, well, I mean, it all gets boiled down just to those. Let me rephrase that. It starts with those and then everything springs out of that. Well, everything springs out of, uh, of the scriptures. Everything springs out of your walk with Christ. So that's where it's important to be able to know how to handle the scriptures, to be able to, to spend time with them and to, and to think about them more than just, uh, more than just theory. And so I, I think about this. This is so what I've got here a little bit is a, a little bit of a sort of the how stuff works of life. Okay. So I've got some scriptures, 10 scriptures we're going to talk through, a little bit of the how stuff works of how it turns into practical view of things. And these are in really no particular order. They're just kind of the ones that came to mind as I was writing them down. There's nothing magic about 10. So don't, don't get hung up on, on that. Uh, there's, there's many more. Um, but first of all, I mean, be known for serving others. Be someone that has a reputation of serving others because this is what Christ did, right? This verse, this is in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Okay, so if we're going to be transformed into Christ and Christ was a servant, we should expect to be transformed into a servant, okay? And, and all that goes along with that, okay? And, and just some things there. And in the workplace, a lot of these things are really rare. I mean, you may see pockets of them and you may see people, but, but to, to find people that are truly reliable, 
um, you know, authentic, uh, keep their commitments, um, trustworthy. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's hard sometimes. So if, you know, and to do that is to serve others. And here's the thing. You don't have to be perfect at these things. Okay. You're going to make mistakes. So, so, you know, the thing is just be authentic with those. You know, one of the things that I have seen in my life is I'm pretty certain that Jesus leads me into failures of these things at times where I say something that I can't do. Uh, I say something someone misunderstands. I misinterpret what somebody says. Um, he leads me to these failures so that I can demonstrate humility, so that I can demonstrate and live out what it means to not be a perfect person in front of my colleagues. And I'll have to go and apologize, or sometimes they'll apologize to me. There's just, you know, there's conflict we have to have to resolve. But but it all goes back to being a servant. Okay. So, you know, be a servant in the workplace. Here's another one. This was a big one. Don't grumble and complain. Okay. I mean, grumbling and complaining is so common. It's almost accepted. Um, and then again, this isn't just a workplace thing. This is everywhere. But here's the thing. If what the scriptures say about God and you is true, if, if all that it says is true, and you know a lot of those, and, and if you believe those things to be true, then grumbling and complaining really is kind of a warning light on a dashboard that something in your belief system is kind of off, right? It's why we build warning lights. It's why we build check engine lights into things. When something's not right, the light comes on. If you find yourself grumbling and complaining about something, then there's probably something in your faith system that you should ought to go to the Lord and say, Lord, why does this bother me so much? What is going on here? But I love this verse. It says, uh, you know, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So God is shining you as a light where you go. If you're grumbling and complaining, that light is, 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 is dim. Um, and, and here's the interesting thing about, you know, you do Greek words. Now, if you do Greek word studies, you go dig in what words mean. I love that piece when I'm studying the scripture. You go do a whole Greek word study of all things and all. And what you find is it means all. Okay, it's not like just do some things without grumbling and complaining or just do the things you like without grumbling and complaining. It's all things. And we know that you're going to have to do things you don't like to do. You're going to have to do things that are hard. You're going to have to do things you don't like. Um, And the Lord says, do those without grumbling and complaining, because what's going to happen is there will be a spiral. And you will notice this. You probably see it in classes or everywhere. It's not just a work thing. There can be a real downward spiral when people start complaining about things. And there's always going to be things, you know, and um and, and if you're grumbling and complaining, you're going to miss what God is doing in that situation. Okay. Because all you're going to see is the problem. I mean, so instead be thankful. You don't have to be thankful for the bad thing that happened, but you can be thankful for all things. You can be thankful for the situation that you're in instead of grumbling and complaining. The next one I had uh, here is, is just be a listener and hear what people are really saying. Okay, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look out not only to his own interests, but to the interest of others. Counting others more significant than yourself, that's hard, right? I mean, in, in a situation where there's a lot going on, and I mean, this is saying, be thinking and listening to what others are saying, not just kind of what your next word is going to be. What's the next thing you need to say? And, and there are many different types of communication styles. And uh, any of y'all have done like Enneagrams or disc profiles or whatever, you, you, I mean, you know this, but there are a lot of different types of communication styles. And, and some communicators, uh, they, you know, it's very clear to understand what they're saying, others not. But, but, but listening is so important. 
So learning to listen, not only to the words, but what people are really saying. And this actually works on two ways. I mean, one, just personally, right? This, this is, this is just good relationship building, um, you know, because you're building relationships, but technically as an engineer, I cannot tell you how many times I have benefited from listening to people that maybe I wouldn't have normally listened to, or maybe they were hard to listen to. Look, engineers, technical people, we're not great communicators, okay? I mean, we're not. We like our numbers. We like our formulas. You know, we, we love us a good slide full of, uh, of formulas. Um, so we're not great communicators. And sometimes, it you know, it, it's just easier to tune people out. Or sometimes people aren't, you know, they, they, they're just not. So so listen, the other, the other thing, too, is, um, you know, I find sometimes that, like, engineers, will, you know, we're, we're working in the field. Or in a lab, and you've got, you know, you've got technicians there. You got people working there that I mean, they don't have college degrees, they don't have doctorates, right? They don't have, and it's really easy to go in and say, "Well, I know more. I know what this. I know what's going on." Um, but I tell you what, the things that I have learned just from listening to the folks in the field that see this stuff, the problems that I've been able to solve um, by listening, uh, the information that I've gleaned from them, you know, I, it's it, it's helped me to be a better engineer. And it just comes from listening, right? It just comes from listening and being considerate. Next one I add is, is let God be the shepherd of your career, okay? Let God be the shepherd of your career. And, 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 and a great example of this, I think I'll just show from Scripture. And, and I, I mean, many of y'all would know the story of Joseph in the Bible. I, I don't want to assume you do. Probably most of you do. If you haven't, it's in the book of Genesis. The short synopsis is Joseph, as a young man, had a dream that he was going to rule over his family. He told his brothers this. His brothers, this is what an arrogant little punk. They, they, they beat him up. They sold him into slavery. Um, and, and, and it was, and, and through that, uh, Joseph was, you know, he, he was elevated in, in one of the, uh, in the household of, of one of the leaders there, but then he got unfairly thrown into jail, uh, by his wife making accusations. And he was in jail for 13 years, forgotten finally, but, and then the Pharaoh noticed him and, and again, the Lord's favor was on Joseph in this, but Joseph became the leader and, and he ruled and he saved the whole country from a famine, saved his family. And when his brothers came and Joseph, looking back on all of this strife, all of this hard times, all this pain and hurt and disappointment, what was his view? He said, look, for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And, and, and so the, the point there is it's really hard to look at something that happens in your career, in your life and say, well, this is good or this is bad. <laughs> right. I mean, Joseph would have said getting thrown in the pit was bad. Getting elevated right? and the household was good. Getting thrown back into jail was bad. I mean, what, what is bad and good when God has your whole life planned out? OK, so so the thing is, you don't need to stress or fret about your next promotion. I mean, trust that God knows how to lead and guide his own. He's been doing that for thousands of years and he knows how to do that. So you can trust him to be the shepherd and um, let him do that. And, and this, you know, this can be a really freeing thing when you just realize this. Um, it can be a little frightening when you take the hands off the wheel, um, but it builds your faith. Just focus on doing the job that you're in really, really well. Focus on making your boss successful. Focus on making your colleagues successful. Do your job really, really well and let God take care of the career management and he'll do that. He will do that. He will show you. Next, um, love people deeply. Okay, just love people. God loves people, um, and He doesn't expect any less from us. Just a, a couple of thing verses here that have, have meant a lot to me. Is first of all, I mean, God said, "Let us make man in our image, after our likeness." 
Okay. So here, here's the thing. You, this is the truth. This is the, the scriptures are true. Okay. They're, they're true. Everything else that spills out comes out of the truth of scripture. So you do not know a single person who was not made in the image of God. Everybody, you know, everyone you read about, everyone you see on television made in the image of God. It's a humbling thing when you think about that, um, because you see people who are like, I see people who are like me, who understand me, who think like me. And, and I think, oh, yeah, they're made in the image of God. And I can see that and I can reflect that. But, but I see people who are not like me. I see people who think differently than me. I see people who are hostile to me and my way of life. And, and the fact that they're not manifesting the image of God doesn't change the fact that they are made in the image of God. And God, and so we have to recognize that we can love the God in them, even though we're not loving the things that they're doing. And I'm, I'm convinced that, the, you know, the divisions that we see in the body of Christ right now is, is hugely because, you know, we're, we're missing this, this, this one thing. Um, the, the second verse about this is, by this, all people will know you're my disciples. If you have love one for another, Jesus was telling us to his disciples. And the interesting thing about this verse is this is for Christ followers about Christ followers. This verse isn't necessarily saying go love everybody. This is saying, look, Christ, Christ is saying the hallmark of being my follower is that everyone is going to know that you guys love each other. They're going to see this. So do you love people outside the body of Christ? Absolutely. But this particular thing is a specific hallmark about how Christ differentiates himself, how people will know around us. You want to know how people are going to know us? Here it is right here. How people are going to know we're disciples and how uh, and know about Christ. This verse tells us it is because we will love one another. So it's a dramatic thing to think about our body of Christ and how we relate to one another in the body of Christ that we even disagree with. So the whole point here is, is forgive, um, be gracious, uh, invest in people, um, you know, mentor people, coach people, uh, the opportunity that you have at work, uh, you know, everyone is struggling through, everyone's struggling trying to get through just like you might be. Um, and they may need, they just may need somebody to talk to. Um, so think about that as you're going about your job. It's not just there to build something. It's not just there to do whatever. It's there to love people. And here's one that this is probably one of my favorites when I think about this just as an engineer. Um, but expect God to help you do your job. Okay. I mean, God didn't put you in that job to fail. He didn't put you in that job randomly. He put you in that job because there's an assignment and he didn't put you in that job just to go figure it out on your own. So, you know, expect God to help you do your job. And, and when you have problems, you know, go to him. A couple of verses. I, I just, I love these verses here, but the first one here is it's the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of Kings to search things out. There's something that God finds glorious about concealing things in this world so that we can go find them, <laughs> you know, so that his creation can go find them and make something of them. And he says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. Okay. So he's, he's inviting us to ask him. He's inviting us to ask him so that he will show us things. Okay. So, so the thing is God invented physics. So you're trying to solve a physics problem. You're trying to build something. You're trying to do something. He, he knows it already. He knows the answer. You know, and, and if you wonder about God inventing physics, just go read Job 38 and those the, you know, 38, 39, 40, where God built the foundations of the world, right? For, for the creator to build that, to be able to do that, do you think he knows how to harness that now 
and turn it into a propulsion system, right? Or turn it into a structure that you can drive across your car, you know, or turn it into a skyscraper. Of course he does. Um, and, you know, the only capability that men and women have had uh, to build and do any of this stuff is just what God has allowed. The only knowledge we have of medicine or anything of the human body is just what God has allowed. It's, it's called common grace. I mean, God didn't limit that to just believers. He didn't limit that to just his people. He's, he, he's allowed all of us to do this. And so, um, you know, when you begin to realize this and you realize, I've got this problem. Lord, I need to understand how to do this. Ask him for help because he gives favor now. And I have done this many times and I, I can't, I, I wish I had some great stories of, gosh, I asked him this and I had a dream and, you know, this blueprint showed up. Personally, that's not happened to me. Um, I've heard, I mean, I've heard stories of that, um, but, but, you know, and, and do I always get the answer that I need and I want? Not necessarily, but I, I know, I know, I know that we have been able to solve problems. We've been able to build things um, because I've, I've brought the Lord into it and I've asked him. So this is something that you can expect God to do because that's something that he wants. Next one. Um, I just, you know, work as if you're in the mission field. Okay. The mission field, again, this is another sort of one of those church Christianese things. When we say mission field, people's minds tend to think about like overseas missions, um, you know, faraway place missions, but look, it is all a mission field. You know, Christ said, look, the fields are white for the harvest everywhere. Uh, you know, so, you know, overseas missions, I mean, go invest. If you, if you have never been on a short-term missions trip, go to a short-term missions trip. It will change your life. Okay. It really will. You'll go thinking that you're going to uh, help and serve and do something and you'll do all of that. And the people will be glad you came, but, but the, the biggest change will come in you. The biggest change will come in you seeing another culture, seeing God work. So go do that, but, but don't limit yourself to a place you have to fly to because, you know, God is in the business of loving and saving people, and your work is just a vehicle for him to do that through you. That's why I put you there. So everything is a mission field. Think of it that way. Next, I mean, find other like-minded believers. Find other believers that think like you do. You know, this is our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, so citizenship is an interesting thing here because like this world is not our home. Okay. Get that. I mean, the Lord, the Lord created us, designed us, placed us here, but it's not our, it's not our ultimate home. We're just kind of passing through. So the more we try and feel like this world should be our home, the harder it's going to be. And so, and the sooner we kind of recognize that, uh, you know, the, the more we'll be able to raise, you know, rise above a lot of what's going on. Again, you look at the world situation, you look at all the craziness that's happening, um, you know, politics and in Hollywood, um, sexuality, and, and you think, it's just, uh, it's not our home, not our home. We're going to talk more about this in just a minute. Um, but, but, you know, God designed us to live in community. He designed us to live in community with like-minded people. You just, you just don't see in the scriptures, people who, who, who lived um, isolated without others. So, so find them in the workplace. Pray together, serve together, uh, you know, pray about, uh, you know, pray about what's going on with your company, pray for your leaders, pray for your bosses. You know, if you've got other people on your projects, pray, you know, pray, pray together and seek God together, but just recognize that because we're not citizens of this world, it's always going to be uncomfortable, same place in the workplace. So the more you're able to, 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 to get with Mike Lyme, like-minded believers, um, the, the easier that that will be. Okay. Here's another one. Expect sinners to be sinners. 
Okay. You know, a lot of times we, um, you know, as, as believers, and especially if you've been around, you know, as, you know, been a believer for a while, we get kind of shocked at what people will do. And we look, gosh, I, I can't believe that they did that. Well, if someone doesn't have Christ in their life, if someone doesn't know Christ, there may not be a good reason for them to live and to do and to think the way Christ would. Why would they? I mean, they might just because, you know, they're good moral people. Um, but we have to kind of expect sinners to be sinners. And in the workplace, you're going to be working with a lot of sinners. Okay. Um, anywhere you go, right, you will be. Uh, but there's, there's one principle here that comes out of this verse that I wanted to talk just a little bit about. This one's pretty dramatic when you think about the impact of it. The Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses, escaping from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. So think about that, okay? Having been held captive. If you're a Christ follower, you're free of that. You're not captive. If you're not a follower of Christ, you're captive to the devil, okay? And, 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 and this is just the truth of the war that we're in, um, you know, and, and we need to wake up to what's happening there with that war. I think too many are sleeping and not really realizing the gravity of this truth. Um, and so we, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we see what sinners have done um, and we just can't handle it. We, we don't know. And so we, we distance, we don't know. Um, but look, God has transformed your heart to enable you to deal with, with that. Okay, so don't be surprised. Um, you know, pray for them. Think about it. Uh, and and I guess I would just really again with I, I don't know how many are on this session and with you know with this many people in Jubilee thousands. Look, um, I don't want us to assume that everyone is a Christ follower. Okay, on this call. Uh, and and you know if if you're not a Christ follower, I just want to lovingly, <laughs> authentically give you this truth. Okay, um, that that if you're not a Christ follower, if that has not been a decision that you made. Um, that, that, that the devil is the one that has, you're captive to him. Okay. But the great news, okay. The great news is that today, right now, you can change that. Okay. You can break free of that because God has made that possible. Okay. And, and, and it happens by making this, it happens by understanding your position before God. It happens by understanding what Christ did on the cross by taking the punishment for us that we deserve um, and, and accepting that forgiveness and then living that out. Okay, just living that out. So if, if that's something you want to know more about, um, talk to your campus worker, talk to whoever invited you. I, you got my email, you can send me a note. Um, but, but, but this is important and it's critical because you're either, you know, you're either servant of the Lord or you're servant of the devil. We, we, we mix it up and we think that it's not one or the other, but the scriptures kind of tell us otherwise. All right, then the last one here is I'm um, just playing for the long game. Okay, Uh, play for the long game. A career is a long time. A lifetime is a long time. So so so, you know, don't don't get trapped into thinking, Okay, that that one moment defines you. Um, God defines you. Uh, And and the way I think about this is, you know, that one of the you know, God said to Abraham, Abram at the time, Abram was living in here. He said, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land. I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
okay, again, if you don't know the story, right, here's a dude who's living in, in Heron and God, you know, with a small family, his, his, his dad, uh, a wife, uh, they're older, they don't have any kids. And God says, you know what, I want you to go somewhere. I'm not going to tell you where, but you just go and I'm going to make you a great nation and I'm going to make your name great and they're going to bless you. He's got no kids, you know? And, and so you think about what gets set into motion. Um, Abraham goes, uh, you know, God enables him to have Isaac. Okay. One kid, Isaac has Jacob, another kid. So now you, now you got two, this whole great nation. Jacob has 12 sons. Okay. The 12 sons turn into the nation of Israel, the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes, they turn into the Jewish nation. Okay. There are whole people, uh, there are whole people that, that grow and they flourish. The Egyptians put them into bondage. God rescues them. The whole story of Moses, the Exodus, all that they grow. Um, and then out of that lineage, we get Christ, okay, where Christ comes and is a blessing to all nations. So here's a promise that started thousands of years ago that took God, that God just took a long time to play out. And, and, and so God is not interested in short time frames. I mean, he, he, he sees things, uh, you know, from beginning to end. And so this whole, if you think about the whole arc of the Bible, the whole lifetime of that, there's a lot of things going on. And, and, we, um, and that's happening in our life, too. Okay, so you're going to have jobs, bosses, coworkers, projects are going to come and go. Um, but, you know, just rest in this. Okay, rest in the fact that you don't have to have it all figured out. Um, you don't have to, you know, this whole sanctification process is happening. This whole maturity process is happening. So you don't have to strive. You don't have to fret. You don't have to worry. And that's easy to say, uh, uh, hard to do. I get that. So don't, I'm not, that's not lost on me. Um, but, again, it's just one of those truths uh, that the Bible says is true. And to the extent that I worry and fret, again, it's a check engine light of something. It's a warning light of something that I got to go take out. But, but just recognize, play for the long game. And just, you're, you got to, the Lord has a long runway for your whole life. And when your life is over, right, for those that have believed in him, you got an eternity to do even more. So that's what I had. Um, and look, I mean, you can see what I've done here. It's just, there's nothing, it's just taking some scriptures and thinking about them. And thinking about, well, how does this apply? How does this apply to how I live and work? Um, you know, and, and the thing I just say is just be a lifelong student of God's word. Uh, you know, you all are experiencing this right now. You're taking classes. You're taking courses. Um, again, what my, my son is engineering says, Dad, do you ever use differential equations? Have you ever used an imaginary number? Um, and, it's, you know, and have you ever used these weird Cauchy-Renon theorems and calculus and all this? like... You actually do. You actually, they actually are useful. Now, is it something that I sit down personally and do every day? No, but I know how they work. I know how they've been built into the tools that I use. I know people that program in them every day and they help us. So, but, but those are all building blocks theory that if I didn't learn them, I wouldn't be able to apply them. And scripture is the same way. If you don't know the scriptures, if you don't know what they say, you won't be able to apply them later. So, so that's, that's just my encouragement to you is, is, is be a lifelong student of God's word, study all of God's word. I'm um, not just the parts you like, um, get with people who, uh, who are more, who are further down the path than you, uh, and, and help them, uh, have them help you understand how those scriptures have applied. Um, and again, these are 10 things here. I think there's nothing magic about these. There's, there's so many more. I could do a whole nother, you know, a workshop on, on another 10. 